Hello, and welcome to our FPC Conversations podcast, where we explore the many ways God is working in the everyday lives of people in the FPC community. I'm Josh Gillespie, the Minister of City Engagement and Modern Worship at First Press. Thank you for taking the time to check out our Conversations podcast, and we are grateful that you have chosen to join us to hear the stories of people connected to the FPC community. In today's FPC Conversation, Jamie Franklin and Dan Kimball sit down with Mark and Sandy Ruiz, who have been a part of First Press for many years. Shortly after Mark retired from a long career in education, he began to prepare for a bucket list trip to walk the famous pilgrimage trail, Camino de Santiago. However, God's timeline was not the same as Mark's, and he and Sandy share the circumstances that caused a delay in his trip and the spiritual journey leading up to and eventually completing the 500-mile trek. Please enjoy today's conversation. Welcome, everybody. This is FPC Conversations. I'm Jamie Franklin, and I'm here today with my partner, Dan Kimball. Uh, he'll be on sound and um, being a part of this conversation with our friends, longtime friends, Mark and Sandy Reese. And we're going to journey um, a bit with them today and have them share specifically about uh, Mark's recent journey on the Camino Trail uh, last fall. So we're going to learn about that and uh, what Mark experienced. Um, but before we do, let's talk about the two of you. How did mm-hmm. take us from... Uh, just a quick overview of your journey and coming to Fresno. How did you meet and, and connect here at First Press? Well, I went to school for two years in Eureka, California, and um, it's very wet up there. So I wanted to go someplace else. Came to Fresno, and we ended up meeting at uh, Fresno State. And go ahead, Sandy. We just had several classes together. My major, his minor. And we, which was mine, was recreation therapy, and his was uh, administration, recreation yeah. administration. Yeah. And we just became great friends. There was yeah. a group of us that became great friends. So it was. Um, so Mark wasn't your first choice. It was well, it was three girls and me. So oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was his. Yes. Okay. She was my only choice. So how long after? meeting there did you get married uh sandy would probably say too long so um but it was four years about four years about four years okay but your original hometowns were where uh carpinteria california which is between uh santa barbara and ventura okay yep and i grew up in spokane washington although i lived in california when i was younger okay and my dad is a pastor and in 69 we moved to spokane Okay. And then I came back to go to school. And for a period of time, we had a bunch of people from Carpinteria that were connected to First Press. So it was wild. We had several of the college yes. kids. Greg Ellert, yeah. uh, Welty, John Welty. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah, Mark. Mark, Mark Welty. Welty. Mark. Yeah, John Welty would be the former. John Welty was his daddy. Well, John Welty would be the former president of Fresno State, too, I think. Yes. Probably a different one. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> So how did you get from, why Fresno after Spokane? We lived in Selma when I was much younger. Okay. And it just felt like home. I had friends here and family, uh, close close friends that were like family. And I went to Fresno Pacific for a year okay. and then transferred to Fresno State after claiming, re- claiming residency. And she was a singer also and was on a singing scholarship for Fresno Pacific. So so were you a p- connected to anybody coming from Carpinteria to Fresno or just on your Not on really. Your- um I had there was a couple of people from Carpinteria that were here. Um but I just I just came here. Um I had done some backpacking, worked in Carpinteria at the boys club and had taken kids backpacking in the Sierras. Okay. And so I wanted to be close to the Sierras, and that's what I did. And then that, uh, you went into teaching right away? Uh, yeah, so I graduated from Fresno State and then um, went into teaching uh, 
after I got my degree. Yeah. When what were you? What was your specialty? Uh, I taught English as a second language and also Spanish. So. And in Kerman the whole time. No, I started uh, as a teacher of English as a second language, uh, working for the county office of education. Okay. And I worked at Riverdale and Carruthers High Schools okay. at that time. Yeah. But at some point, you, yeah, you journeyed into the administrative side and out of the classroom. Yes. So I taught, I left the county, went to uh, Clovis West and taught Spanish and coached basketball there. And then after that, I became an administrator for the county, again, for the migrant program. And then I went to Kerman, and I stayed in Kerman for 27 years. And how did you, how and when did you get connected to First Press? How did that happen? Good. <clears throat> it was right away. Um, we wanted to find a church that um, had good music. We found... Uh, Let's see, Roy Claussen was the choir director there, and he was my choir director at Fresno Pacific. So that was a good um, place to come for me. And we just um, felt at home when we came here right away and joined a house church, which your mother was part of, mm -hmm. and um, also Vince and Nikki Carell and Susan Glover. And we just, we were already engaged at that time. We weren't married yet. And we felt so connected to them. They met us for the first time, and we told them we were getting married in this church, and they offered to help. Mm. They said, whatever you don't have somebody doing, we will do it. And they showed up, and they were incredible. So we had an instant connection. It was, it was great. Yep. What year? Did that all happen? 1984. We, 1984, yeah. In February okay. of 84 is when we started here. Okay. And you have multiple children, grown? Yep. We have three grown sons, um, all married. And we have, at this point, five grandkids and one coming in November. So we'll have six grandkids mm -hmm. by November. Wonderful. Now, leading up to the Camino... Back us into that. So I know you had a health journey leading up to that. So give us the give us the pieces leading up to the decision uh, to go on that journey. Okay. Um, this whole thing could probably be called my road to the Camino because a good portion of what happened was before. Um, Marty Simpson, his son Jason, and Nancy uh, had done the Camino about eight years before. And so we decided, they said they were going to go again. And then I said, well, I'm going. And they said, okay. Marty Simpson is? Uh, Marty Simpson uh, is a friend Okay. for years. We taught together at Clovis West. And, okay. Yeah. And his son is, was actually my student. Okay. Um, and so we had it all planned out, and then the virus hit, and we couldn't go for a couple years. And then... Um, we made a decision to go uh, the year that we went. So was it 22? Yeah, September 22. Just real quick for the listeners who don't know the term, the Camino, help us understand. Yeah, so uh, the uh, it's called the El Camino de Santiago. And the route that we took, well, first let me say that there's routes all over Europe that end up in uh, Santiago, the city of Santiago. Um, and so we took the route, the French route, they called, call it, and we started in Saint-Jean, Pierre de Pol, I think, something like that, but Saint-Jean, walked over the Pyrenees and walked to uh, Santiago, mm. and it was uh, about 500 miles. Wow. So for the listeners, feel free to get out Google Maps and you can... You yeah, can take a look on. at that. Yeah. So did I hear you say there's, there's multiple routes, but yeah. they all end in Santiago? Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, we met uh, a retired judge who he had walked from Geneva, Switzerland, mm. all the way to where we started and then was finishing in Santiago. And there were a lot of people that walked a lot further. Mm. Yeah, it's amazing. So this sounds way too easy. So I want to go back. Okay. So some guy, you know, 
<laughs> says, let's go on this 40 plus day hike. What did you know about it at that time that would be so intriguing to you to just say, yes, I'll do that? Well, I've always been a person of adventure. Uh, I've done a lot of cycling. I've ridden my bike from um, SeaTac Airport to Tijuana, um, done the coast of Oregon, California, Washington several times. And I just, I like doing those type of things. And so uh, never been to Europe. And it just sounded like something that would just kind of line up with what I like to do. And so um, I also wanted to go to Europe, but I wanted to see the country as being a little bit more part of it rather than just going to the touristy places. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you you did that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we saw some different places, yes. What were some of the other obstacles on your way to last fall? What happened in your lives? So um, <clears throat> I was training to do a bike trip that summer the year before. Uh, right? Yeah. And uh, I, I did something to my leg, and um, it uh, it's still kind of healing. It's, it's, it's pretty good, but... Um, it really slowed me down with what I could do. Cause you know, I would ride in the foothills and just be, my heart would just be pounding and just, you know, just working really hard. And when you're touring, of course you're carrying bags and it's very difficult. And so I just had to slow down for that whole time up until my surgery. And in September, uh, after strongly being strongly encouraged to go to an uh, HHT Clinic uh, of Excellence, which is Stanford, because I had the HHT. Um, which stands for? I knew you were going to ask. Um, hereditary <laughs> Hemorrhagic Telangiectasia. Okay. And basically, uh, it runs on my dad's side of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes to typically half of their kids. So I have half of my dad's kids. So basically it's uh, me, my sister and my brother and, uh, have a lot of bloody noses. I have had a bloody lip, blood on my head, um, which, you know, those aren't dangerous. You just have bloody noses, just just a pain. Um, but come to find out, you can also have them in your stomach lining, your liver, in your lungs and in your brain. Mm -hmm. And so, I was strongly encouraged by a very close friend who knew a lot about it. You know, you need to go to Stanford. I know you're just dealing with bloody noses and those type of things, but you need to go to Stanford and and go to this clinic and have them really check you out. And so in September, that's what we did. September of? Of uh, 2020, 2021, 2021. September 2021, we went to Stanford and they started doing all the tests uh, and they they checked everything through MRIs, um, heart exams, that type of thing. Uh, one of the things with that disease, if, you ha- if you're bleeding internally, your heart will be pumping harder, and so your heart will get I don't know, bigger or more muscular, mm-hmm. I guess. And so they're worried about that, so they, they checked me for that. And um, my brain scan, they found what they call an AVM, Arterial vascular malformation mm-hmm. in my head, but right back there. And so um, that was a bummer, to say the least. And mm. so um, we went in to see the surgeon. What I found is after you have a test, if everything's good, you get a letter. But if they call and say, hey, we want to see you, <laughs> it might mean something different, right? Um, so we went in, in to see the surgeon, and he talked to us and showed me on his uh, TV screen, what it was. And uh, so I have, I have a capillary in my brain that was malformed, and they get, it gets weak and like a bloody nose at any time without even touching my nose. I can just bleed. That can happen in your brain. And, of course, that's not good. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we met with him, and there were th- I had three options. I can do uh, nothing which I wasn't going to do. Um, they could have done radiation or they could have done 
the actual brain surgery where they went in and took care of it. And so <clears throat> the brain surgery was 98% successful. This guy was one of the best in the nation. People come from all over the nation to come have him do their surgery. And so uh, decided to go ahead and go ahead and have that surgery. Mark, I'd be curious to know, when did you know that this was in your family? You mentioned that you've had yeah. this in your family. When, when did yeah, you? So, uh, when I was in first grade, mm. uh, and I would get a blind nose in class, and oh. they would send me to the nurse. You know, and this would happen three times a week, right? And when my parents found out, they said, "You keep him in class. It's just a bloody nose." But that's when I started learning about my family. So my my dad has it. He has two sisters that have it. Um, and so at some point, uh, my uncle has it also. At some point, you you can get to the point where you're bleeding internally, and mm. so you have to get blood blood Transfusion. transfusions mm. and that type of thing. So you've been aware of this growing up. Yes. But it hasn't. And I've always had bloody noses. But it didn't limit you because as long as I've known you, you've been pretty athletic. And right. Yeah. Pretty and, active. Right. Pretty. And, and I think the 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 key thing, I you know, Sandy and I talk about that. I think it was a real God thing for me to hurt my leg mm. in June. And I did one active thing. We rode our bikes from Portland to San Francisco, okay? That's an active thing. Yes, it is. <laughs> Pushing pretty hard. But after that, I stopped because I and I had trouble riding my bike. Mm. Um, and so it just really slowed me down, which come to find out, you know, after the surgery, that it was already starting to bleed to spot, you know? So I was anytime, mm. you know? Um, yeah, so we had, so I don't know if that, Answered everything, but it did, and I'm interested, Sandy. What are you processing while this is going on? Well, I know that when the doctor first talked to us, um, we went out to the car, just kind of stunned, and we just kind of stood there and cried, held each other for a while, mm -hmm. and then just decided about three minutes, <laughs> more than that. Um, decided that, okay, this is, you know, this happened. We are um, so fortunate that we came mm. and we need to do something about it because mm. Mark's, uh, just the way that he lives his life with um, the hiking and the cycling and everything that he wants to continue, he wouldn't be able to do that. He would just, you know, if we yeah. didn't do something about it. So we knew that okay, we've got to be strong and we're just going to get over this and we're going to get it done. So at that point at the car, I finally looked at her and said, okay, that's enough. You know, no more tears. Mm. You know, we're going to be positive from this point forward, you know. And we were. Mm. It's pretty cool. More tears though. <laughs> she did. Every once in a while. What were your conversations with God like? Um, thank God. You know, I came and had it checked. Mm. I probably wouldn't be here. Mm. You know, uh, I think that was one of the things. Um, so thankful. Yeah, and and really, I wasn't mad. Why does this happen to me? You know, it's not a, you know, a terminal cancer diagnosis. You know, they, they can do something about it, and hopefully, you know, from the time they said I had needed surgery and it didn't pop. We had time, you know, um, and so that's kind of, kind of where I was. I mean, I was just thankful that 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 he found it and that we were moving forward. Yeah. Mm. So, I'm going to pause for an editorial comment, um, not from any sponsor, but just um, from this story from Mark and Sandy. Just the encouragement, as you can, uh, know your family health history. Mm. Um, have those conversations. You can pick up a lot now with 23andMe and the other uh, tests that you can do. Mm. We found that in our family. Yeah. Um, so just the encouragement there. So can I add one more thing just because you have a commercial? Can I do a little commercial too? Go for it. I thought this was really rare, you know, because it was our family. and But I guess one in 5,000 people can have this. Mm. And so... You know, if you have any kind of bleeding that just doesn't make sense, just have yeah. a test. Yeah. 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 
So you had the surgery not long after that? Yes. Uh, December 7th, 20... 21. 21. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we had... Of course, a lot of tests, right? They're not just going to go in your brain, right, uh, the next day. So a lot of tests, a lot of blood tests. They did some angiograms to, to take pictures of my brain. And um, one of the things that uh, I'm claustrophobic. So typically if I have an MRI, my first MRI, you know, I was under the influence, right, of whatever drug they gave me. Not, not drunk, but, you know. Um, and so... What I found out after we had this meeting with the doctors, I had to do a functional MRI. So a functional MRI, you have to be completely awake with no, no sedative or anything. And so I, I told the lady, I said, man, I'm on the phone with the lady setting it all. I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm uh, claustrophobic, man. This is going to, do you have like a machine that's really big or, you know, whatever, that can just not be in a coffin, you know? And she said, oh, yeah, yeah, we have one. Uh, let me, let me check that out. So she did, and she says, I have one set up for you. And I said, oh, good. Uh, can you send me? Then she said, I'm going to send you a training video so you can see what it looks like. I said, okay, that's great. So mistakenly, they sent me a video of someone getting a CAT scan. So a CAT scan is just like a donut, you know, so you can, yeah. it's not a very big tube. And I was all excited. And I was, I was telling people, man, I was more scared about that, the functional MRI, than the actual surgery, mm. you know. So I called, they called me the night before, I think it was, or maybe a couple days before. And I said, yeah, I said, I'm really excited to, to use the machine that looks like a CAT scan. The guy says, well, we don't have one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, oh my goodness. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we don't have one of those. And I said, well, you guys sent me a video of what the machine I was going to use. And it was not. A regular MRI machine. He says, well, I don't know about that. I, I, the first time I've heard of this, I said, well, I'm going to send you the video. So I sent him the video, and he called me back. He says, no, that's not the machine mm. that we have. It's a bigger one, but it's still the tube. And oh, just I was a mess. How'd you mm. get through it? I don't know, Cindy. Have any anything on that? <laughs> Well, he asked if his wife could go in, which is usually not allowed. That would be really crowded in the but, MRI, by the way. <laughs> not that. Yeah, not that. <laughs> but, can I say how I asked him? Yeah. I said, they came to get me in the office to go back there, you know? I said, I'm bringing my service wife. <laughs> he looked at me and goes, okay. <laughs> You know, because uh, and so yeah. go ahead, Sandy. So I I was able to go in. I held his hand, mm. or touched his leg, and was just telling him, "Okay, this much of you is still out yeah, of, mm. and mm. you're fine. You're fine." And I just just mm. reassured him the whole time. And it, yeah, he was in there a long time, hour and a half, mm. hour and a half. Yeah, but it it worked. It would have been actually shorter if your service wife didn't have her hand on your leg. That's right. That's <laughs> you okay? You okay? You okay? <laughs> <laughs> But before that, um, either a day before that, I think it was a day before that, Sandy and I are having lunch um, near the MRI place, and one of my uh, former, former co-workers called me. Her name's Dora, and she called me out of the blue. We were eating lunch, and she says, hey, I've heard from the grapevine that you're having brain surgery. She goes, tell me about it. So I was telling her about it, and, and I said, Dora said, I'm— I'm more worried about the MRI because I have to be in that tube for an hour and a half than I am about the surgery. She said, well, where, when is it? And I said, it's 11 o'clock tomorrow. And she says, well, I have 30 people that are prayer warriors mm. that are going to pray. Yeah. She, she called him and, and 30 people right then. No. So. And she says, what do you want me to pray for? I said, pray that um, that I can relax in there and do what I need to do. And uh, sure enough, and it's kind of funny, I walked in the door, Sandy's with me, and this guy says, well, I have this little helmet thing I need to put on your head. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going in a tube and I got this thing on my head, you know. Sandy said I, I just broke out into a cold sweat. Mm. I laid down, they put that thing on, and it was actually a TV screen. 
a mirror so I can look at a TV because they have you do certain functions so they can find out where things are working in your brain. You know, so I had that. This is a couch, a picture of a couch. What do you do on here? You sit, whatever. Um, and I just, just calmed down. Hmm. And I was in that thing for an hour and a half. Um, and we celebrated when we were done that night. <laughs> <Just like, "Woo!" laughs> Any desire to do that just for fun now? Or? Uh, no, no. Um, no, I don't want to do that anymore. One was good. But I think, you know, you always kind of look at the God things, you know. And yes. That was just definitely. And there were a lot of people praying for me at that time because I told everybody I was scared of. This is really bothering me. Um, but her phone call was big and uh, timely, just um, pretty cool. And the surgery. Yes, can I? Yeah, go ahead. I, um, I don't know. I, I'm not one of those guys that can go and share his faith with strangers. And, you know, I, I try to share my faith through my life and how I live it. And So I was going to send out a text to about 81 people. So about 81 people that were, I was connecting with, you know, and, um, so I just was called <clears throat> to, um, to send this out. Uh, and it's from Harold and Rachel Earls. They're author of a higher calling is the book. And in some of those, yeah, people on that list may not have been, may not be Christians. I don't know, but this is what I sent out. It would have been easy to let fear take over but I'm not going to allow fear to write my story. I won't be controlled by my current circumstances tonight. I choose faith over fear, mm. just like I did this morning, just like I will do again tomorrow and the next day and the next. So that was, that was kind of a bold thing for me That's to do. That's cool. Not typical cool, Mark. of what, uh, what I do. And it really touched people and touched my in-laws, Sandy, to tell you that they were... Because, you know, I, I just... I don't share everything to people. And mm. When they heard that, they said, oh, wow, that's Mark, you know? Yeah. So, so that was, uh, I, felt, I felt really good about doing that. I, and I was, I finally, I was just looking at reading and I just said, oh, what the heck? I just pushed the button. Mm -hmm. Just let it be what it is. So, so that was before the surgery. So um, I, felt, I felt very confident going in. Uh, either way, whatever happened. And... Uh, I think the people and where they prepare you were just kind of blown away because, you know, I was just upbeat. Hey, how's it going? You know, hey, you got to have an a, a game today, right? When you're in there, make sure you're on your top of your game, right? All this kind of stuff. So, I don't know. It was good. Mm. So how was the recovery? And and we're going to get you to Spain here. That's fine because this yeah. is kind of probably – the main story here, but well, actually, what we find, and I'll and just reflecting with Dan, sometimes we think we're here to talk about B, but we end up talking mm -hmm. about A. But yeah, I just to really appreciate that testimony yeah. and taking the time to walk us through that. So, most people that have this surgery, when they come out of surgery, they, they're in ICU for a day or so, and then they go to their room for a day, so two days in the hospital. And it went so well for me um, that I didn't go to the ICU. I just went right to my bed in the room, and I went home in 24 hours. Mm. And um, so that was kind of cool um, until we got – so we stayed an extra day in Stanford, Palo Alto. And so Sandy had a little bit different experience for that day, that night. So you want to share a little bit about that? So the doctor had said, you know, if you see anything uncharacteristic, um, feel free, no matter what time, give us a call. And so he was doing great until we went to bed. And then all night long, he was hallucinating. Mm. He was talking to people as if they're there. He's picking up his phone and, and just doing weird things on the phone. I finally hid the phone. He kept having to go to the bath every 20 minutes he wanted to go to the bathroom and of course I had to be with him and I had called I had called and I said this is not my husband I don't you know this is I don't know what to do and they said well just make sure he can say his name his birth date make sure that nothing is sagging and and <laughs> have him smile 
and raise his arms to make sure that they're the same. And so every 20 minutes, I'd, what's your name? <laughs> When's your birthday? <laughs> Smile. Yeah. Um, I had to, I hit his phone. Um, he, his balance was off. Um, I don't, it was, it was pretty scary, but they, they said, don't worry. This is common with elderly people. <laughs> <laughs> that broke my heart. Uh, so you know. <laughs> I thought, oh my gosh. And then on the way home, I tell you what, he was motor mouth. He was just talking so fast that we couldn't understand him. Um, my, my son and I, Tyler went, uh, he, he went with us through this and he and Kaylee, um, but Mark had asked to stop for coffee on the way home. And Tyler's like, dad, you're not getting any coffee. You don't need any caffeine. And we kept having to tell him to slow down, slow down. I couldn't understand I was talking so fast. Do you remember that night? I mean, was that? I remember the fast talking. But you don't remember? I I remember talking at Mm. night and waking up and looking around. Oh, there's nobody here. (laughs) And go back to sleep and do it again and again all night long. And so I even, my, one of my secretaries called, ex-secretaries, I mean, I've retired, called and called the wrong number. And so I just blabbered to her 100 miles an hour. She had no idea what I was saying. So I called a couple of days later to, to apologize. But <laughs> yeah. Um, can I, I'm going to go back a little bit to um, before the surgery. So this, this Michelle from our office when I worked there, out of the blue, she calls me sometime in November. She said, hey, and she's she's a prayerful person. She said, I, I just, I felt led to call you. How you doing? And I just started laughing. I said, this is interesting. And I told her what was happening. So that's kind of a, kind of a cool thing too. But yeah, so we got out of surgery and uh, Stanford, I mean, they're just great. Everybody was just great. And I think I saw eight neurosurgeons come through and say hello and how you doing mm-hmm. and smile and what's your name and. Did you ask them what their birth date was? And if they could... yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I did. You know, and, and they all look younger than my kids. So I'm thinking, oh my gosh, these guys are the ones that did surgery on my brain. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. So then we we headed home, and we got home, and um, just weird things. I mean, I couldn't. I could not. Uh, the, we have an armchair, and I could not make it to the middle of that chair to sit down. I always was off to the left, and I would end up sitting on the, starting to sit on the arm, and Sandy would be there and say, no, you got to get back over. <laughs> so that was some of the things that were happening that were just kind of weird. Uh, yeah. So from there, you had your enough progress to continue with the plan to uh, go on the Camino journey. Yeah, it took a while, Yeah, but yes. <clears throat> I went from this active person you know, riding 16 to 120 miles a week and walking and hiking to uh, needing help to get to the end of the driveway. Mm. And they just told me it'll get better. And they also told me when you go for a walk, make sh- remember you have to walk home because it's going to hit you and you're just going to be done, you know. So walk there, walk to the, to the fire hydrant down the street, to the corner, and every day I did better and better and tried not to overdo it and that was hard, walking with two sticks and then one stick and then no carrying the stick with me. So over a time of a couple months, probably, Sandy, you know, a couple months was trying just to get back going. The funny thing is, is they called us a week after I got home and said, the doctor clears you for driving. And Sandy and I looked at each other and said, I don't think I'm so. not driving yet, man. <laughs> I would think as a someone who's active, that, that was probably one of the more challenging things to not it was looking at your bike in the garage going, yes. hey, hey, hey. Yeah, doing that. And I think the hard thing was is trying to keep myself from overdoing it mm. um, because it was really interesting. One time, as later on, as I was getting better, I was all proud. I came home. I said, hey, Sandy, I walked five miles today. She goes, are you sure that was smart? Of course it was. You know, I paid for two days. Uh, yeah, it mm. was hard. Um, I had a friend, I had lots of friends that 
the cool thing, I had a lot of friends that came and, well, we call it babysitting. We call it marquee sitting, <laughs> you know, because Sandy would leave and do things. And then would walk with me. And I had one buddy, a couple buddies, but Gino and Marty and, and Jason, and they just said, hey, I don't care if you're just walking to the end of the driveway. Just call us. We'll be there. And they were. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It's yeah. So uh, Gino. A year later, we had a, we had a dinner at my sister's cabin, and he, we invited him to come join us. And I, we, I was talking about how appreciative I was of him walking with me, even though I was walking around the block for ten minutes or five minutes. And he said, "Yeah," he said, and I just man, I just really appreciated that in front of everybody. Right? He goes, "Yeah." He goes, "It was great till I had to change your diaper." <laughs> <laughs> which wasn't true, right? But that's what he said to the whole family. <laughs> but that's, uh, mm. Yeah. So God's still working and stirring with you uh, um, yeah. at this point in time. And what, just on the recovery journey and as you still have your sights on doing something big again, what are you learning along the way? Mm. <clears throat> Trying to be patient. You know, with with my body and that kind of thing. Um, thankful for this one. Mm-hmm. For Sandy. Yeah. <clears throat> um, struggled with some things. Um, I couldn't. Uh, we had to pack food and drink everywhere we went because there would be a point where I would have to eat. And I would have to eat right then and there. And so uh, we kind of learned that. We went shopping, and she was in Target. I went to Best Buy and came back and sat in the car. And all of a sudden, I just, I was hungry, and I had to eat. So I called Sandy, and she came out to the car, and I was almost panicking. I said, I hope you have food. And so she fed me, and, and then we went out to lunch. You know, So it was, I was okay once I ate, but the same thing with, with being thirsty and eating, uh, same thing. Uh, I struggled with, um, filling up. What's that? Your head filling up. Yeah. Just my head would just fill up, uh, just be overstimulated. Uh, first time I went to a coffee shop was probably a couple weeks after surgery. And, uh, I was with John Washburn, his wife and Sandy and they don't, they're not loud, but they're just, they're noisy, you know? Hmm. And uh, John just looked at me, he goes, are you okay? After about a half hour, are you okay? I said, well, I, I need to get out of here, you know? And so we got up and left, and it was a short visit. But those kind of things were happening. Grandkids coming over, you know, hey, I got to go lay down, or I need some quiet time, because my brain would just feel like it would fill up and just overextended. Um, <clears throat> any kind of gatherings were a struggle, mm. uh, especially if I was, like, doing this, I... I'd be done because just too much stimulation. Um, same thing with the gatherings. Uh, depending on how many people were there and the noise and all that. And the doctors, uh, the doctors said this is normal. Yeah, it's just all. Yeah, yeah I told them. Then the guy told the doctors that well, they were in your brain, so you know there's some reasons for that. They said it would take probably close to a year. Hmm. Yeah, um, <clears throat> and then driving. So I would drive, and, you know, I was safe. I mean, I wasn't dizzy or anything, but I would drive, and then I would be finished driving, and then I would just be out of it. Um, one time I drove to my parents, my mom's house, about four and a half hours away. I felt great, you know. I wouldn't drive if I wouldn't feel great. But when I got there, I was done, and I stayed for four days. Mm-hmm. And uh, my, I was telling people my mommy had to drive me to Santa Maria so my wife could pick me up. Because I just, I couldn't, couldn't drive mm. home safely. Um, and then the other thing, which the Camino helped me with, is you don't realize how much you use your brain and movement when you're just packing. Getting stuff ready, getting medicine, making sure you have all your clothes and go and get your biking stuff and all this kind of stuff. And I would, we'd get ready to go on, go somewhere and in the morning, I'd pack in the morning, and then I'd have to lay down for 20, 25 minutes just to calm down, and Sandy would have mm-hmm. to drive. And so we learned that I need to pack the night before. 
Was that a discouraging time for you, Mark? Oh, or gosh. yeah. It was you like, felt like you were it's like, what's going on? Yeah, like right? this is not going. It was really. It was tough. And then I always drive. Mm. I I drive everywhere, and Sandy was having to drive, and then she was having to put up with me when she was driving. Mm-hmm. But um, so that was uh, that was probably the the most frustrating thing, Mm. and it's taken the longest to to leave me. I I still have it a little bit now, but I can drive six hours Mm. and be done and have be affected a little bit the next day, but. yeah, that was that was that was frustrating. You just kind of take away some of that uh, freedom that you have. That um, so that was that was really hard, especially since I mean, knowing you're such a outgoing, right. positive. You love people. You love yeah. people, so that must have been, you know, I'm sure with yeah. your grandkids too. That yeah. must have been hard. And even going on hikes and um, having to carry food and water and stop in the middle of it, and you know, it's just yeah. And then, I, you know, I'm going to walk 500 miles, you know, in whatever, six months or seven months, eight months, nine months, I guess. Yeah. So, so those are some of the things that were concerning as we, as we were leading up to the coming out. Yeah. So take us to the trail. How, um, how much of a hurdle did it seem to you at that point? What was stirring with you? What were you talking to God about? And then you've shared one story as we were prepping of an observation on the trail. And yes. um, so take us to that part of the journey. So they talk about the Camino. The the first third is physical. The second third is mental. And then the last third is spiritual. Hmm. And that's kind of how it worked for me too. Um, My buddy, Marty, um, he'd done it before, but they didn't, the first day, 15 miles, 5,000 feet up, and 2,500 feet down in 15 miles. And when he first started, when he first did it eight years before, they did it in two steps, and he wanted to do it in one. And I kept thinking, dude, <laughs> really? Mm. Um, but I'm glad I did it. And so that was, that, was, that was really tough. I was really worried about that day. Mm. Um, but we we did we made it over the Pyrenees. Um, what are you what are you carrying? Give us a picture of probably about. Well, on that day, we sent our backpacks forward to the hotel, and we just carried a, a, a little day pack with food and, and water. So not not a whole lot. And just the two of you, how many are with you as you're walking? Just the two of us, but we saw probably saw hundred people doing the same thing, all different paces, all different ages. All different in shapeness and not in shapeness. It was, mm-hmm. it was quite a quite a group from different countries. Um, but I really appreciate my buddy Marty because he's seventy four years old, and I mean he's he's a tough cookie. I've been following him and chasing him on my bike for years. When we ride down the coast, he'll block the wind the whole way. And so, but he 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 would wait and make sure we made it did it at my pace. Um, and that was, I just had felt a great deal of accomplishment after that. I could barely walk, but I felt really good mm. about it. Um, people ask me, what was the hardest thing I did on the trip? And the hardest thing I did on the trip was after that first day, laying on the bed for 20 minutes and getting up and going to dinner. Mm. That hurt, you know, mm. but, um, yeah, so that was the first day and, uh, and the first third, you say, is physical. Yeah, first third. Of, so, that so that's first, 10 to 15 days yes, of physical. Yes. Any other um, encouraging parts, tough parts? As you were well, you know, one of, the things, one of the things that I did, um, <clears throat> I had some daily quotes on my, on my phone that I would have pop up about every two hours. And so some from the Bible, some not. Uh, Can I just read those? Mm -hmm. Of course, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Philippians 4.13. This one's kind of funny, but everybody is sore. Everybody is tired. Everybody has an excuse. Don't be everybody. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's in the Bible. <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah, Mark. I think Mark. I love uh, it. It's great. Tim Tebow, I love Tim Tebow. Uh, don't give up. Be encouraged. Lift your spirits and do this on purpose with intention. Literally, take courage. Choose it. When you feel tired, discouraged, disappointed, or run down, make the choice to take heart. Mm. And then this, he talks. Tim Tebow talks about after a loss, and I like the last four words of this thing. But it was a choice of my attitude, my effort, and my focus, and our team's attitude, effort, and focus. It was something in our grasp, and it was a choice of the will. That really resonated with me. You know, you have a choice here to 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 will yourself through this. And then the last one: Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you are. And so I had those things come up every day on the walk, and um, different times. Uh, I tell people that in Spain they don't believe in switchbacks. If there's a hill, you're going to go up over it pretty mm. much, mm. especially the steep ones. So there were some real challenging, challenging times. And you're hiking how many hours a day? Probably about five or six. So our shortest day was five miles, but it was a 3,000-foot climb in five miles. Mm-hmm. And our long, we did a couple 20-mile days, which I never thought I'd do 20 miles in a day. Mm-hmm. And are you hiking in complete quiet? Do you have, are you listening to something? <clears throat> How do you navigate that? So for me, I wanted to just walk the whole thing in, in quiet, um, which I did almost. Um, there's an area called the Meseta. And uh, it's kind of like Fresno topography, maybe a little bit of the foothills, but there's nothing out there. And I just couldn't think anymore, so I just I started listening to some books and stuff like that. Mm. But uh, but it was it was met a lot of people. Uh, took my time, you know. I was still nursing my leg a little bit, so I wanted to make sure if, if it started to act up, I would just slow down. And uh, how many was, total days? We we walked for. 38 days, mm. and we had four rest days. And if I do it again, I'm going to have a rest day after the first three days. <laughs> we waited 10 days for our first rest day, and it was really tough. Mm. Um, Take us through the mental phase, the mental... Well, the mental part? Section? Yeah, what was the... What um, were the hurdles for you? I mean, that's... For, I got sick. I I got bronchitis during that, that Maseta time, the middle, and that was hard. Um, mentally and I, I uh, went and bought some medicine and I asked the lady in Spanish several times this medicine won't keep me awake correct? no 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 you take it right before bed okay um, it was Sudafed which hypes you up so I was sick and I wasn't going to sleep I was exhausted and I wasn't going to sleep until 3 in the morning and waking up at six and walking 15 miles. Mm. You do that a few days, um, that can wear on you. Yeah. And so um, my buddy Marty, who's a chemistry teacher, he looked at it, he says, oh, this has Sudafed in it. You should be taking something else. Okay. So that helped. Um, <clears throat> but that was, that was hard. And I think the, the hard thing is, is mentally is just getting up every day. And walking. Because you get there, you're sore. Your feet are sore. You wake up, they're not as sore. And then you get walking, you warm up. But then about the last two miles every day, you're just sore. You know, you just, especially walking on cobblestone. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. beautiful, but. We're going to have an application question about that to to present day for you and Sandy. But before going there, walk us through the spiritual phase. Yeah, so you know, through these things, and uh, I was I was reading the Bible in, in Spanish a little bit every day, and um, you know, I, I, this trip for me, um, if I was physically able, I was going to walk every mile. Uh, if I couldn't, that would be okay. And and before the trip, I told my because I didn't know how I was going to how it was going to work for me. I said, I'm going to Spain. If I walk one mile, I'm okay. Five miles, I'm okay. Or all of it, I'm okay. After the first day accomplishing that, I said, okay, I can do this. Um, but I was, I was, uh, 
we left this one day and we had about a week of rain. So when it rains, you're wet from head to toe. You put on a poncho and you're just just sweating inside. It's like walking in a plastic bag. And um, <clears throat> so this one day we walked to the top of this hill and the storm was just blowing sideways. The wind would be coming sideways. And uh, so we got up to the top. We stopped and had some some uh, lunch, I think. And then we headed down the hill and it, we got all separated. We headed down the hill and, and it, mm-hmm. I mean, it... There were trees that were knocked over on the trail, branches and all that kind of stuff. And I'm walking down the trail, and I'm, I should be miserable, right? Because I'm, I'm wet, a little cold, and I'm smiling. I'm thinking, dude, what are you doing? And it just at that moment, I just realized, you know, it's um, it's just great to be alive and to be able to do that. Mm. You know, it was... Um, I just was so so thankful at that mm. moment to be able to do that. Mm. Sandy, I'd love to know what, for you, knowing Mark was on this adventure, and for you also knowing that he had this, you know, pretty big <laughs> brain surgery, like maybe just describe what that was like for you. I mean, obviously you were excited for him, but were you anxious, scared, excited? Oh, I was real nervous. Um I was very thankful that he was going with Marty and Nancy and that they'd gone before and Jason. And mm-hmm. um, I actually went to Spain and to Portugal at the beginning of the trip with Mark and mm-hmm. them, and we spent almost two weeks there together. So to see him in this element was pretty special, and mm-hmm. he was so excited about going. And fortunately, when I got home, we were still able to FaceTime every day, mm-hmm. almost every day. Um or if we couldn't FaceTime because of um, lack of service. the service, we could still talk. So I felt really comfortable. It was in the, what was it? At nighttime, it was his morning. No, the other way it around. It was, it was my morning, and he would call me when he was done every day. So I was able to hear how his day went. So that that was really nice. I don't think I could have done it without that. So technology is amazing. Oh, yeah, he did um, short videos. Uh, Not every day, but sent pictures and the video of where he went. And he put it on my Facebook so that uh, myself and my family and our friends could could see where he was. So I felt like I was still kind of there part of it. So I felt confident. as he was going on, that he was, I didn't like when he was sick. That worried me a lot. But um, other than that, it was, it was pretty wonderful to be able to walk alongside of him mm. with that. And then a lot of prayers, but um, he did good. He did real good. And he was just very excited about the whole opportunity of being there. I think another thing, I don't know if it's spiritual, but it's sure helped is, you know, I've talked about packing and how that just messed me up. Well, I was packing every day in the morning, you know, and um, it was hard at first. It was really hard. Um, But that got a little bit easier as we went along. So just being thankful for those type of things, those type of changes with uh, just my body uh, working through some things was, was felt really good. Yeah. I have two final questions as we're um, circling the story. Um, favorite photo? Favorite photo? So when you when you think about this time, if you reflect, what photo do you reflect most on, if you do, and why? Um, I'm going to have two photos. Okay? That's fine. When, uh, before the time change, we would start hiking at seven and we would have an hour and a half of darkness. So the sun wouldn't come up to about eight thirty, eight forty, And the skies were just on fire in the morning. And we've got some pictures that, I mean, it was just, you spend the time walking backwards because it was so beautiful behind you. Mm. And so I have several of those photos that, and that was, I just, I just felt the awesomeness of this place that God created. 
when I just see those photos and as we were walking, uh, it was it was it was really cool. And of course, the other one was was finishing, and the picture of us in front of the cathedral in Santiago was uh, is special too. Yeah. Do you have something else? Well, how about the cross, <laughs> the rocks? Oh yeah. So um, thank you, Sam. <laughs> Uh, there was a uh, place across on top of a hill, and it's a place where everybody takes something, a memento of something, and they leave it there. <laughs> so you're climbing this hill, and then you see the cross, and you're coming up to it. And so um, <clears throat> my father and my mom, they love the Crazy Horse Monument in South Dakota. And Sandy and I went there, and we got a rock to take home. It's in our garden, so I chipped off a piece of that because you're supposed to leave a rock for something. And so I left that up there at the bottom of that cross in memory of my dad and of my brother, brother-in-law, sister-in-law. Oh, am I missing someone? Who had passed away in memory. Oh, and my brother's wife's husband also passed away. So in memory uh -huh. of all of them, that's cool. And I remember my dad. And so I took a picture of that, of that, you know, little pebble from South Dakota. So that's cool. That was kind of, that's cool. really sweet. Thank yeah. you, Sandy, for reminding Mark of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brain surgery, you know, memory <laughs> issues. <laughs> Do you ever use that to your advantage? <laughs> well, you know, when the doctor said it would take nine months to get better a year, for a whole year, it was always something yeah. with my head, you know. <laughs> the best excuse ever. Oh, sorry, babe. Brain surgery, you know. Yeah, can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> so how does life look different for the Reese family today because of this collective journey that you've yeah. had? Just um, how does life look now? Um, <clears throat> well, maybe you want to ask Sandy. You know, I have some thoughts. Actually, she um, gave the better answer <laughs> to the last question, so let's go with that. No, just being able to, you know, when you see something and you don't understand it, like the problem with his leg, um, we were just so thankful that he did not continue his exercising. his exercising like he did because, I mean, we didn't know, but later it was like we were so thankful. We we're just so thankful. That that even though we didn't understand it, and it's like, why is this happening? We were so thankful that, in retrospect, that God just took care of us, took care of Mark, took care of the situation. And we don't always see why, but we just have to trust. And it's it, so thankful. The theme of the FPC podcast is how God is working in the everyday lives of mm -hmm. people around the FPC community. And I think, you know, what I, what I heard out of this conversation was you used the term, these God moments. And I think for me, that's a real encouragement that you're able to, you know, look at these things that kind of connected, you know, and the results aren't always perfect for people. I mean, right. your results have been good and you right. have to do this, but I really appreciate your honesty on that. You were going to say something. I think, um, you know, you just appreciate life and you just realize that life is short mm. and, um, you know, perfect example is H. I mean, you know, it's just, it's crazy how it can be over so soon. You know, mm. we just need to take advantage of, of the days that we have, um, with family, grandkids, parents or whatever, you know, because, um, you never know when it's over, and I, and I think when you go through something like I did, you kind of, um, you kind of, uh, is it realize your mortality? You know that we're not here forever, and if you live to ninety nine, life is still short, <laughs> right? And so, <clears throat> I think I think I've taken that into my my life more so since that happened, and you know I felt like the Camino gave me my life back because I was able to do something athletic and complete something. Um, so <clears throat> I think that's kind of where it's helping. I, this is blowing my kids away, but when you're in Spain, you eat a lot of fresh food, bread and everything. And I come home 
you know, I'm baking bread now. I make my own almond milk. And I'm doing all these different things in the house that, that I would never do. And mm. so that's been a big change for us also. Mm. So that's not spiritual, cool. but it's kind of cool. Yeah, spiritual. Baking bread is spiritual. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I heard that he went from pretty athletic in his youth, and now he's athletic. Yeah. So, well, yeah, yeah. That, yeah that, that happens when you walk 500 miles. Yeah. But then you think about it, it's only walking, you know, but still. It's 500 miles. Wow. That's a lot of miles. That's a... That's yep. a journey. Yep. Well, thank you both. Yeah. Anything you'd like to share in addition before we close? I have one more thing to say that my sister said as soon as we were on a, a, a call, Zoom call or whatever. And when I told them, and this is kind of the attitude of the whole thing, but I, I told my brother and sisters, my mom, that I was having brain surgery. First thing my sister said is, are they going to have to shave your head? <laughs> so those of you that don't know me I am follically challenged and I've been bald since I was 22 so that was appropriate to start with that because that's kind of how we took the whole thing is just in positive and that's awesome that kind of thing well thank you both for taking the time to share the breadth of your story and Dan and I learned some new things even with our history with you yeah. and it's an encouragement to us and I know it will be for our listeners Thank you. Thanks again for listening. If you have any questions or feedback from our FPC Conversations podcast, feel free to send us an email to conversations at fpcfresno.org. May this podcast deepen your faith, deepen our love for one another, and ultimately help us become more like Jesus. Until next time. <laughs>